listening to Kingdom Faith, where we focus on the Christian life, the good stuff, and the hard stuff. We are back from our Labor Day break. Our week-long hiatus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're back, and we're excited. Um, But this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 9, and if God can save anyone. Um, and we're going to just dive a little bit deeper into that, but, but Ben, can you give us a little bit of context into Acts chapter 9 before we get started? Yeah, well, Phil, and I told you this before we recorded the episode, when, when we talk about Acts or, and, and Luke, because I'm going to talk about Luke, hmm. I, I love to talk about the fact that they were in by the same person. They're both credited to Luke, and, and Luke is is one of Paul's traveling companions. So throughout the Gospel of Luke and throughout Acts, we see a lot of heavy influence from Paul. And that's cool because the main character of Acts 9 is Paul. It's Paul's conversion from Saul to Paul, but we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so, so Luke is writing to this character, and his character's name is Theophilus. And Theophilus, it's kind of controversial because some people don't think Theophilus is a real person. They think Theophilus is just the reader mm-hmm. it's you phil it's me ben it's you the audience member and and theophilus means friend of god or lover of god so the idea is whoever uh, luke is writing to they are a christian they they are mm-hmm. a friend of god and other people think theophilus might have been a priest or a roman official or someone one of paul's friends mm-hmm. but whoever it is theophilus it's a great mystery so luke is writing to theophilus and acts is a continuation of the gospel of luke Mm -hmm. so sometimes i would suggest to people to read luke and then to read acts because it's a great Mm -hmm. order of events so acts picks up with jesus giving the great commission then ascending and then i don't want to say all heck breaks loose maybe (laughs) all heaven breaks loose (laughs) uh but the disciples received the great commission to go forth, mm-hmm. and so they replace Judas, that 12th uh, disciple who kills himself, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and, and Peter preaches at Pentecost, and he kind of establishes himself as the leader of the early church. Mm-hmm. And they get arrested and beaten by their fellow Jewish uh, church members because the the Christians, early Christians, considered themselves to still be Jewish. Mm-hmm. They considered themselves to be a Jewish sect known as the Way. Yeah. And a, a ton of other stuff happened. We see stories that we've talked about before, like Simon the Sorcerer and, and Phil, Philip talking to the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm-hmm. We also see the early church start to get built up. We see... Maybe you could call them deacons start to get established mm-hmm. to kind of handle some smaller but not less important issues in the church. Mm-hmm. So we just see the we just see Christianity begin to blossom and it's super cool. But we also see the villain. And the villain up until Acts nine is you know, the Jews who are opposed to Christianity and this guy named Saul. And Saul is kind of a mysterious figure. We know that he really hates the Christians. And he's first introduced where Stephen is martyred. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't participate in the martyring. But it says that the people who martyr Stephen lay their coats at Saul's feet. So, like, Saul was kind of trusted. He was kind of a confidant. They trusted him to look over their belongings. Or some people argue that it's their way of 
like showing respect to Saul as like the leader of this persecution movement. And I don't know what's the right answer is to that. So all this stuff happens. And then we pick up in Acts 9. And uh, Saul is on the road to Damascus. And you'll talk a little bit more about that. Is there anything you want to throw in before I read the text, Phil? Uh, no, you just go ahead and read the text. And then, and then I'll talk about Damascus for just a, a little bit. Okay. So Saul on the road to Damascus. Picking up in Acts chapter 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 19. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus, and he was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. Here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to make my name, uh, to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And Saul stayed with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Mm -hmm. All right, Phil, tell us a little bit about Damascus. So, it's always, I always thought it was weird that maybe, you know, why Damascus was picked, why it was chosen. So I did a little bit of research, and, and, and Damascus was this kind of center trade route mm. this is where all the the trade routes were coming in um so a lot of people think that the reason saul decided to go there first he could have went to a lot of different places so it's like well why does why does he go to damascus well a lot of people think that the reason saul goes to damascus because if he if he thinks he can put a stop to it in the center of the of the trade routes that it wouldn't go out any further mm. that the gospel wouldn't be spread that the name of of christ or the way um would stop in its tracks um but obviously as we as we see in this uh passage of scripture is that it it was a whole different journey so i just want to talk about saul here just for a minute too you know as as you talked about with stephen you know it's kind of a weird weird thing that people were casting their coats and stuff mm -hmm. at, at his feet and, and that he was pleased about what a, you know a whole thing going on so so he was i believe he's, he's a pharisee mm. 
Um, he was super zealous for the law. Um, he was all about the law. So he was on this mission to put a stop to the way, whether that was throwing them in prison, killing them, as in, in Stephen's case, um, because in his mind, they were blaspheming. Yeah. They weren't, they were going completely against the law, and according to the law, they were able to stone them, and that's exactly what Saul was going to do. But on that, on that journey to Damascus, um, Jesus comes to him. Um, he sees him face to face. You know, he hears the voice. Um, and I think it's interesting. I just want to throw in here. It's not really a part of what we're going to be talking about, but there were men who heard it too. Yeah. And we don't know what happens to mm-hmm. these men. They do let they, them in. Do yeah. they stay with Saul at this time? And and Paul, who are these Who are these three guys? And, and we're saying this, we have no idea. We won't ever know um, until maybe we get to heaven. Um, but did, did they go back to the synagogues? Did they go back to... Um, what they were doing before it's just kind of it's just kind of curious to me yeah um, but we don't really hear any more about the, those those guys that were kind of with them but he comes to this place and he kind of you know hears the the voice of Jesus and he becomes blind so now he's being led a blind man to where he's going and then obviously this is how this is what's so cool about this God was already preparing. Mm-hmm. He was already preparing for this this journey because we know that he comes to Ananias in a vision. When did this come come about? Yeah. When when Saul was on his journey? What before? Doesn't really say. But we know that you know Ananias gets this uh, vision. Now I don't know about you, but this vision would be bad (laughs) (laughs) and what not good news because people knew who this guy was yeah saul's reputation preceded him (laughs) they knew he was coming they knew what he was allowed to do Mm -hmm. um so they knew immense amount of persecution was coming and basically to sum it up god says let him in god says go to him god says you're gonna heal him you're gonna heal his sight um, you know, you're coming, you're going you're gonna, to you're, you're gonna help get the Holy Spirit, you're going to do those things. And if I was in Ananias' position, I would have been like, yeah, but doesn't he have this letter that could take me straight to jail? <laughs> do you not know that, God? Um, and obviously God knows that. Um, so I just, I just, I really like this story because of, there's so many key elements to it, which we'll talk about a little bit later, just for the idea that that God, if if God can save anyone, because we see a guy that is horrible, mm-hmm. just say it that way, he he is what he calls himself the chief among sinners. Yeah, um, he says the the worst, the worst. Some translators says the worst among sinners. Um, he knew he was pretty bad. Um, he was, he was, he knew he was so bad that just about anybody he talked to, he, he knew that they weren't going to be as bad as him. And this is why he says it throughout some of, some of the letters and stuff, but I'll let you chime in a little bit too, just about what, uh, the text is saying. Well, well, Phil, one, I wanted to ask you something and you know what that question is, but I'm not going to ask you it just yet. (laughs) I, I wanted to talk about that point where Ananias heals him. And you were mentioning a little part where a little bit where those scales fall from his eyes, and 
later on in Paul's letters, uh, he talks about this. Mm-hmm. And he and I don't know if he is directly referencing this moment, but this is something that Paul did experience. And so when later on when he is talking to other Christians, he's just he's speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. And it's in Second Corinthians four, three through four. Uh, and he might mention it elsewhere, but this is the one that I came that came to mind for me. And it reads, But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Saul was perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded their minds of the unbelievers uh, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Mm -hmm. So Saul was blind and he wasn't just blind spiritually. He was blinded physically (laughs) and Ananias comes in and and heals him like like God asks asks him to Mm -hmm. and this veil is removed these scales fall and he is given back his physical sight and maybe for the first time he is given his spiritual sight yeah and that's crazy to me just it's real that Mm -hmm. blindness there are there are people in this world who don't fully understand why we believe the things we do or why we do the things we do because they are spiritually blind. And Paul experiences this. And he experiences it to such a full extent that he later can talk about it. Yeah, That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Phil, why do you think Saul was so angry? It's, at the beginning of 9, it says Saul was breathing threats and murder. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't breathing air. He was breathing hate and destruction. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> um... Well, yeah, you know, I mentioned it just, you know, briefly, but he was mad. Mm. And we see that here in the very beginning, that he was coming with a vengeance. Um, there was an immense amount of hate for the people of the way. Um, but if you take a look just a little bit at, at Saul's thought process, because he thought they were the worst of the worst for the Jewish religion, mm. that this was going to be the end. This was all all our people's going to start going to this different way, you know, because you know they're talking about you know which you know we see uh, Paul talk about when you know not in this case but in his letters that that we're not we don't need to abide by the old covenant, the old law, because we have a new covenant through our Savior Jesus Christ. But in his mindset, this was the way it was always going to be. And there's no way that Christ was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So these people are leading other people astray. They're blaspheming. And we're going to put an end to it. Yeah. So this is why he was so happy when either a Christian was going to be put to death or thrown in jail or completely gotten rid of. And we see that even in this little, little brief you know, story of, of Saul's conversion. Because of that first verse, you know, he was still, still breathing out murder. You know, this isn't the, this isn't the only time he's done this. He's been doing it. Yeah. Um, and he, and he's on a mission. So I think the reason why is because he really thought his way was the right way. Um, there's no other explanation yeah. to it than, than him only thinking that this, that Jesus wasn't the Messiah, that he, he wasn't the 
the chosen one or however you want to say it um, because and a lot of Jewish people didn't at the time because they really thought this king charging in was going to be their messiah which that is later to come but they've forgotten that some of what some of the prophecy said that he was going to have to come and die that he was going to be put on a cross that he was going to be his blood was going to be shed or and all those things that are are written throughout the prophets um and then you see that it's funny how things must have clicked for him and this is this is why it's so good we have his letters because yeah. we can see his thought process because we knew he something had to click because most of what he says he's quoting from the Old Testament mm-hmm. most of in his letters he's quoting prophecies from the Old Testament that are that have come true through the Messiah because he's he's what he says I forget where he says it but he's he's trying to persuade them in and knowing that this is the Messiah, and he does that through the prophecies, yeah. he does it through the Old Testament. This is probably why it was so good of, you know, for God to choose Saul, that he is his chosen instrument, is what what it says here, because he knew the law. Hmm. He knew he knew how to talk to Jewish people, and then God gave him the ability to even talk outside of that, um, because he had th- he was a knowledgeable guy. He knew his stuff. Um, he knew the law. He probably had it memorized, if I had to guess, because mm-hmm. I think that was one of the requirements um, for a Pharisee or a religious leader. He had to remember, had had to have certain things memorized, those types of things. He had all those things. Yeah. Um, he was under, I forget what his name was, but he was under a, uh, a rabbi for so long. Um, it's mentioned in the New Testament uh, who, you know, who his teacher was. So there's he he's just as a a young a young boy, surrounded by the law. This was his everything. Yeah. This was his everything, and Jesus changes it in a moment. Um, and I think that's what's so cool. But before we just talk about what what our main topic is, um, I just want to talk about Ananias for a minute. Like we said, it had to be scary for Ananias, but he obeyed. Mm-hmm. He did what he was supposed to. Um, and we all should do what it, we're supposed to. But he does something a little bit different. That I, I, it kind of blows my mind because I don't know if I'd be able to do it. I could only do it through the Holy Spirit. And there's <laughs> no way Ananias did this any way else through, but through the Holy Spirit. But it says here in verse 16, you know, it says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. He's talking about Saul. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord... Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, Brother Saul. Mm -hmm. Brother Saul. This guy was first coming to kill you or throw you in jail. Um, He didn't want anything to do with you. He hated you. And now Ananias is calling him brother. He's calling him he's calling him just a child of God. He's calling them, you know, his, and this is what the early church was so good at, accepting and, and really making it a family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you see throughout the New Testament, brothers and sisters, brother, sister, um, brother in Christ, because that's what we are. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that we need to remember, you know, always remember, but even more, 
I just think it's so cool that he says, Brother Saul. And then he says why he's there. He says, the Lord, the Lord sent me. You know, I'm going to remove those scales from your eyes. I'm going to get, you know, you're going to get the Holy Spirit, you know. And then, you know, after this, it's all spends quite a while with the disciples and just yeah. learning about who Jesus was. I mean, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have, we, we sit down for discipleship and we read the word of God. Mm-hmm. He had to go for the guys who knew who Jesus was. Yeah. Um, and this is why, this is why we can say that, that Saul or Paul was an apostle. He was, he, he, he has his apostleship, not by what he earned, but by what he saw, mm-hmm. by what he heard from the Lord here and then through the disciples. Yeah. So just to say all that, so all this, all this stuff that's going on, there's really a lot of going on, and it's very specific. It says, even tells and the the Lord is detailed. God is detailed. <laughs> he says, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named Tar- from Tarsus named Saul. He knew where to go, mm-hmm. what house. You know, he had to he had to ask, but even to down to the street. Yeah, I just think that's so cool. Um, and then you're gonna place your hands on him, and then he says. Go, this man is my chosen instru- instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and, the, and to the people of Israel. That's everybody. Yeah. That is literally everybody. That's, he's saying to the rich, to the poor, to uh, the ones that the Jews think are disgusting and <laughs> gross, the Gentiles, and to the religious leaders, their kings, their, uh, you know, the, the people of prominence you know the the upper the uppies <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he was going to do that and, and now what we we have the bible we know he did it we know he had through the book of acts we know he had moments where he shared the gospel to just common folk and he shared the gospel to philosophers and and teachers and 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 all those people uh who had knowledge and it says in that said they wanted to hear more. Yeah. They were they were curious to, to who is who is Saul who is Paul talking about. Um and I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um because a lot of times we think that, you know, I don't really need to share the gospel with those who already have like more knowledge than me. Um when that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um we need to share the gospel with the kings, with the common folk, with the rich, with the poor, with with, with those who we might not even like. Um, because we see just by this conversion that that, is, that was uh, Saul's responsibility, but also our responsibility. And, and we've talked about that before, so I won't, I won't talk too much about that. But you have any other thing about the text? Well, Phil, something that you said made me think of something else that we've talked about. And the idea that with Damascus and why Paul was going to Damascus, he was going there potentially to shut down the growth of the early church. Mm-hmm. You know, Damascus was just oh, was a trade center. So if people got there and heard Christians talking about Jesus, they might go home and talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because Saul's original strategy strategy to shut down the early church was later his strategy to spread the church. Like, the second half of Acts, uh, after this, 
Paul's mission, quote unquote, is to go to Rome mm-hmm. because Rome is the center of the known world. And yeah. if the gospel gets to Rome, it'll get spread everywhere. Yeah. And that was interesting. That's just a little mm-hmm. side point. Go ahead and keep on going. So, so just to get into the meat of what we're talking about, can God save the worst among us? Well, we see through this story that he obviously can because mm. if we put it in a worldly kind of uh, context or perspective, I was, I'm was i not as bad as Saul here. <laughs> you never killed anyone? I never killed <laughs> a bunch of people claiming to do whatever. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what it is. Um, I've never done any of that. So if God can save a man like this, he could surely save me. Yeah. And that was that was the whole idea of Paul, you know, and I think this this impacted his ministry from from day one. Obviously, uh, it didn't impact anybody. He had salvation. He had the Holy Spirit. But even even a little bit more than that, he knew anybody he came in contact could receive salvation if they only believed, if mm-hmm. they only accepted it, um, because Jesus did it for him. Um, and you see that throughout his letters. But but most of all, Christ's blood is sufficient for all of us. Christ, Christ's blood doesn't run out. You know, once once so many people get saved, it's all used up. So you better get it now <laughs> before it runs out. Yeah. That's not the way it works. No. Um, Christ's blood is sufficient mm-hmm. for all. Um, I think we have to know that. We have to understand that, even as believers every day, that Christ's blood is always sufficient for us. Meaning we have not just hope, but assurance in our eternity. Um, because that's what Christ's blood does and what it did. Yeah. Um, because it's something that is continuous. I think that's something that we also have to understand. That his blood is continually shed for our sins. Um, and I think that puts it into a pretty good perspective for us. Mm. Um, when we fall into traps of sin and those things. Um, that we have the ability to get it right. Now... Like Paul would say, just because we have the ability to do something doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. doesn't mean you should do it just because we have the freedom or we have salvation. Because I know both of us, we, you know, we believe, and this is a whole different topic. I won't get too far into it because we'll talk about it later. But I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. Mm. If you have the blood of Jesus Christ... It is sufficient for you always. But there's consequences to other things. We're not going to talk about that. But the, the Bible says that God can save anyone. He can, he, can, he can save the chief among sinners. He can save me. Um, there's not anything that you can do that God can't rescue you from. Now I'll say this. The only thing that cannot be forgiven is denying the Son, Jesus Christ, mm. denying His Spirit. Um, for one, you need that for salvation. If you don't accept that, then you don't have salvation anyways. And that's the whole idea of what's being talked about. Um, but So what I want to look at here, because be, the listener could be in two different spots. Mm-hmm. The listener might not have salvation, might not have Jesus Christ, might not have His sufficient blood, His sufficient grace. Um, they just might not have that. So maybe they're in Saul's position. Maybe they're from Saul's point of view. Maybe they're still on that road. And Jesus, they just hadn't, haven't allowed Jesus to come into them with his voice and, and speak into their lives like this story. Or we're a believer and we're in a nicest position. Yeah. 
and we can be in a couple different spots with Ananias' position. Ananias believed, or he obeyed. He did what he was supposed to. That he would be in quote unquote a good believer, a good Christian. <laughs> um, but not all of us. All you know, we fall short sometimes. Sometimes we can allow the murderous threats and the things that Saul had to impact our ability to share the gospel yeah. and could you could you blame him yeah if he said uh that's okay yeah we and most of us probably wouldn't blame him mm-hmm. now we would because we knew the capability of what paul was later going to do and that had a huge impact but here you know saul was the chief sinner we got saved him and ananias here was uncertain we see that because he wouldn't never said that you know yes you know I understand what you're saying, God, but did you forget that he has this letter that, you know, he he can take any of us to prison? Um, But he says, you know, go because this man's my chosen instrument. Um, I think this is is the important thing. If we're in Ananias' point of view, if we're a believer and we're struggling with maybe the idea of sharing the gospel with our family, sharing the gospel with a friend, sharing the gospel with a co-worker, sharing the gospel with whoever, doesn't make a difference. This could be the worst. He could, this could be a... uh, a person in prison for the rest of their life um, for the wrong things they've done. I would want to say that God can save that person just as well as he saved Saul. Um, but it takes a person like Ananias to go down to Judas or, or go down to Straight Street <laughs> and find the man of Tarsus and heal him from his sight and show him the way to the Holy Spirit. Um, it takes that type of believer. It takes an obedient believer. Yeah. And this is what we see here in this story. A lot of times, this is the trap that we fall into. And I, I want to say these because we hear them a lot. But it's easy for us just to hear but not actually experience. And a lot of people can be stuck here for the rest of their lives. And I, and I hope that it isn't the rest of their life because that would be horrible. But if you're always in a position and you think that you're just too bad... Like God can't save you. There's no way God's going to be able to work in my life. I'm a prostitute. I'm a drug dealer. Um, I'm in a gang and I've done horrible things for so many different reasons. I can tell you that God can pull you from whatever lifestyle you're in if you would allow him to. So so with that, I think we've, we've done well at just showing God's ability to save yeah. that God really doesn't have any limits. Mm-hmm. God doesn't have a limit to who we can save. Actually, the Bible says that um, you know He wishes that all might be saved and all might come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But just because God can save anyone doesn't mean everyone's going to be saved. Some people don't want to be saved. Some people don't think that their lifestyle is against God and that God is not even real, so it doesn't matter what my lifestyle is. All those things that, that as a believer you hear and those types of things. I would just say that if you've broken one law, even even if Saul just broke one law, or he's against God, just just one thing, he's broken all of it, and he needs the blood. Yeah. And I would say that even, even if, even if you're the best person in the world, even if you do charity, you might even give all your money to the poor. You you might you might you might be living on the street because all you do is care about people. 
I would say you still need Jesus Christ, and the Bible would say that too, because Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And in, in I believe, Psalms uh, 16, 2 says, Apart from the Lord we have no good thing. We can't have salvation, we can't have those other things that God gives us um, without the Lord yeah. without Jesus Christ um, and I think just to, to help us understand the grasp of God's love and God's ability to save us God's ability to save Saul here and even in Ananias position this verse also rings just as true this Romans 5 8 says but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us mm. and I would say obviously the probably the most well-known verse is John 3.16. It gets plastered, all those things. It should. It's, it's a good <laughs> verse. Um, but it's one of those things that it's always better to experience Scripture. You need to experience Scripture. And this is a verse that I, I, I hope and pray that lots and lots of people have experienced. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Saul didn't have eternal life until the road to Damascus. Mm -hmm. Just because he seemed like he was living his life according to the way he thought God wanted him to live, he thought he was obeying everything he could, he, th he really thought he was doing everything right. And if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, he would have never known a difference. He would have still been persecuting the way, he still would have been killing Christians, he still would have done those things, because he truly thought he was doing it right. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to continually work in our lives. Because there's many times for a believer that we think we're in the right. We think we got it right. We think that we've done what we need to do or we're doing what we need to do. But we really have never allowed God to examine our life. How do you even know? Hmm. How do you truly know that you're doing the right thing? If you've never allowed Jesus to speak into your life, how did Saul? How would Saul ever known that he was persecuting not the people the way, but God Himself? That's yeah. what he says here. That you know, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I didn't say why you persecute my followers. Why do you persecute you know you know the people who who um, believe in me? he says why do you persecute me mm -hmm. you know do you not know who i am yeah. um, and he knows who he is he says he says lord you know he hears who he is um and that is how powerful god's voice is and just how powerful that uh that jesus's blood is and this is why in the beginning i said this is why christ's blood is sufficient for all it will always be sufficient for all there is no other thing that is sufficient for salvation and I, I could read dozens and dozens of verses on that one thing that that you can't do anything else to achieve salvation to get salvation to trust anything else to get salvation it only comes by Jesus Christ because he's the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except through him yeah Phil I think so I think the biggest thing one of the biggest takeaways for me is looking at who does Paul say that he is? And and we, we touched on it. He says he's the chief among sinners. And and our weekly verse is is first Timothy one, 
uh, 15. And I wanted to look at some of the verses surrounding that, Mm -hmm. where Paul says who he is. He says, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. And then he he says he received mercy. Mm. Going on, skipping 15 and going to 16, he says, I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul knows who he is. He's an example. Mm -hmm. If I can be saved, anyone can be saved. And he's okay with that. If anything, he's probably glad for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only thing he probably regrets is the bad things that he did. But he is glad for the mercy that Christ showed him. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important, and that's my final thought. My final thought is that the worst sinners are the ones who God uses the most to show others that they can be saved. Mm-hmm. Phil, final thoughts? And there's a lot of final thoughts. <laughs> but, and it's, it goes right along with what what you said, that many times that that Paul would would say those things, say that, you know, he's done this or that or this as as an example. And I think that's what those verses obviously are talking about. Um, but I would say this also, in addition to that, that, that Paul also says to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul understood his old life and he wanted people to understand that he was the worst. He was the chief. He was uh, arrogant and he persecuted Christians and he wanted them all to understand that, but he also wanted to understand that Christ, his grace, God's grace was sufficient for all of that, Hmm. that his mercy was sufficient, that his blood was sufficient, that down the line, everything that God gives us is always going to sustain us. So I would say this for two, two different types of people. The people who are like Saul and they're on their journey. They're on the journey that, uh, for, to figure out if any of this is true, figure out if the gospel's true to figure out if, if God is even real to figure out, um, you know, if if they have salvation or don't have salvation, or there's so many different things. Mm-hmm. I would say, trust in the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Study it. See what Jesus' life was about. See what Paul's life was about. See what the disciples' life was about. I don't really think there's any greater book for you to read than the Word of God. Um, it is it is the most beneficial thing in your life. You can read all the self help books, the 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 you know how to how to get this or how to get that or, or whatever it is. But the, none of that would ever trump the word of God because the word of God would tell you all of that, mm. the true way to do it. We can mess it up. Yeah, we can mess it up, and even good godly men and women can mess it up from time to time. But the word of God doesn't mess it up. Um, and I would say those who are in Ananias' position, don't stop sharing the gospel. Because, and we've, said, we've talked about this before, but to go further, because that person that you might share the gospel with, 
and they might receive the gospel could be God's chosen instrument. Could go and, and preach the gospel to the President of the United States or, or this person or that person or it doesn't even matter because it, they could preach to the Gentiles and to the Israelites. It can be God's chosen instrument. Just like Ananias was God's chosen instrument. Sometimes we forget that. Mm. God obviously chose him. Yeah. <laughs> God obviously chose him to go uh, heal Saul. We're all God's chosen instrument. Obey. So I guess that's my final thought. Like so with all all what we're talking about, just don't think that you're you're too wor- you're you're the worst or or that God can't save you or you've done too many bad things cuz that's just not true. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what the devil wants you to think. So I would say this, that if you are searching, I'll end it with this. If you are searching for God and you want more knowledge about how to receive salvation, how to get salvation, whatever thoughts are going through your head, you can email us. You can comment somewhere that we'll see it. You can find a local pastor wherever you live. I say this with urgency that don't wait but the bible says today is the day of salvation today is the day of salvation if you're searching and you and you want salvation don't wait till tomorrow find somebody that you know understands the bible who can lead you to jesus who can help you disciple you like saul was discipled for years mm-hmm. it's not something that a day it's something that just happens Something you got to work at. That's why the Bible talks about so many other things that we'll talk about here on the podcast um, that are great and awesome things. But just to, to end it here with the weekly verse, First um, Timothy one fifteen says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief or some translation says who i am the worst all right well that concludes our episode of kingdom faith thank you for listening like phil said if you have any any questions about what we've talked about today any questions about jesus any questions about previous topics send us an email at kingdomfaith2001 at gmail.com and as always thank you for listening to kingdom faith